We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at LourdesDenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. It's snowing out and it makes me very, very happy. <laughs> I lived in, in Rome for six years. It snowed twice. Um, I, the first time I, I, I prayed a prayer asking the Lord, next time it snows, can you let me go to this Pantheon church? I don't know if you, have any of you been to Rome? Yeah, well, that's a lot. Yeah. There's a beautiful church that has a, is a half dome. It was built around the, in the time of Hadrian, possibly. Um, and it has a big hole in the roof. It's called an oculus, like an eye. A hole in the roof, and the rain comes right down into this church. It's really pretty. Um, it was built as a pagan church, but now it's a, a Christian parish. And um, so I said, I want to be over there when it snows. And sure enough, last year, um, I was the, the Lord roused me from sleep, shook me, and said, go over there. And me and Father John Nepple got over and just made it before they shut the door. Um, God is good. God provides a lot of beautiful experiences to each one of us. Um, the Baptists, do you, I used to live across from a Baptist church, Friendship Baptist. I lived at Christ the King Parish um, with a, a bunch of other seminarians. They have a seminary house like we do here. And uh, there was this Baptist church across the way. And um, sometimes it's kind of like a, a gesture of Christian friendship, of curiosity, of um, just kind of restlessness. I would go over there and uh, sit in on the services. And they had a lot of music, but they would testify. Uh, they would testify, stand up, and they would testify about the grace of God that's working in their life. Um, Sometimes it was like, okay, they're supporting, the preacher is talking about something, and they would say, amen. You know, they, they were agreeing with that. I know that. I know that to be true. I'm testifying, you know. But then there, there were other times when they would get up and they would give kind of a, like a testimony. They would say, they would give their own story. They'd say, this is how God has worked in my life, or um, in, in big ways and in really little ways. I'm wondering if you, could you testify today? What about to the graces of this week? I'm a part of a priestly association, the Companions of Christ. And every week uh, we get together on Saturday night and we have a meal to support uh, priestly fraternity and just to, to, to be together, um, friendship, uh, Christian friendship, really. And one of the things we do is at the end of our meal, we share graces. We say, this week, here's something that God did. And it could just be like, well... You know, I was, having a, I was having a hard time, and then what is it, a guy yesterday says, um, I was having a hard time for various reasons. His family was suffering something and all this stuff. And I look over, and this, uh, this kid in the car next to me was smiling at me, you know, this little girl. And then it was infectious. It just stuck with him, and he was smiling the rest of the day. And, um, and saw that it spread to other people. He said, some people even thanked him for so I'm smiling to them, and, he's, and he knew that it was, this is from God. This is, for, this, is joy. this is the joy of life, to be able to catch that infection of that smiling girl. Um, for others, there's things like um, uh, profound graces in uh, the sacraments. You know, one great grace the priest gets to witness is the way that God works in a lot of people's lives. So often we're sharing 
like, I saw this happen to, you know, the conversion of a soul this week. Or I saw God bring a lot of hope or healing to people. You know? It's great. Um, we have a lot. And, but we practice this art of sharing graces. Um, and it helps us to pay attention in life so, to the everyday graces that God is working. Um, God is always at work. God fills our life and our world with his grace. So I invite you to think about that this week, about testifying, and try to make it um, like an, a reflection, examination of your life at the end of each day, or at some point in each day. Say, God, where were you, and what could I identify as your grace? And you might say, oh, I'm a little afraid to do that because maybe I'd start making things up. <laughs> you might. <laughs> you say, oh, that was nice, that was good, that must be God, or whatever. If you practice this, though, after a while, you'll start to distinguish. Because there's good things, there's happy things, and then there's bad things, there's difficult things. God can work in profound ways, and God can... So it's not just like, well, this isn't like turn on the Hallmark Channel at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, I, I'll get in trouble for that. There's a lot of fans of the Hallmark Channel. Um, okay, so we, uh, you were paying attention for graces. And here's one way that Jesus does that. He points out the, the widow... You know, he teaches his own disciples uh, who to look at, where to pay attention to, you know, how to pay attention to the right things. Um, the readings today point in the direction of paying attention to the widow of Zarephath in the first reading. You know, Elijah goes to this widow, and she has nothing to give him. She's got a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. She's going to make her last loaf of bread and then die. She has this in her head. She knows that she and her child have nothing. And widows depended on the, on the generosity of others in antiquity. They had no pension. There was no way that they could, there was no, there's probably no uh, food bank. You have to go to a neighbor and say, help me. Um... But this was a time of famine. You remember Elijah had called, called down a curse on the land because of the king, and now everybody's suffering famine. There is nothing. There's nothing left. This woman knew that she was going to suffer starvation and die, and she was trying to hope, hopefully providing for her child. Elijah comes and he says, make me, make me this meal. And she said, for love of God, trust in God, um, trust in the prophet, I will give all, you know, my last bit. And then God works this great miracle, right? God works this incredible miracle. But there's something so beautiful, even before you know the end of the story, there's something so beautiful about that woman's heart, her trust, her confidence in God. I, it, there's no calculation. She has to give up all calculation because calculation would lead to despair. I know where this is going, Right? Um, there's something similar about this woman in the temple that Jesus points to. Uh, and I think that's why the, the church gives us these readings together. Jesus says, don't look at the scribes. The, um, uh, this, this one strikes a little bit of uh, fear of God in my own life. <laughs> uh, because I'm a resident uh, theologian, apparently, <laughs> at the parish. Um, but I think that's appropriate in a certain way. Why? 
I want to point this out because I hear a lot of people who have problems with the Catholic Church. Well, I talk to a lot of people who have problems with the Catholic Church, um, when I'm, especially when I'm traveling uh, or when I'm out on the town. And one of the problems they have is that they say, your, your heroes are all men. They say, everybody is looking at those priests and bishops and popes. And um, yeah, your heroes, your leaders are all men. And that, it's an interesting critique. Certainly from the outside, um, that's the way it looks. You know, your heroes are all men. So your examples... The ones that you follow are all men. Um, and then you have the problem, some of them are good, some of them are not. Um, we believe that the grace of the Holy Spirit is working in all of this, um, but they don't see that. So wh how, how would you respond to that? Your heroes are all men. You've got this patriarchal society. Huh? Have you thought about that? I mean, people have real concerns about that. Here's one, resp one response that I like to give, or that I like to reflect on, even if I can't always explain to people. Um, I tell them that our heroes, our leaders, are something they can't see. It's going to be a mystery from the outside. But from the, on the inside, we know that we don't follow the priests. You know, The priests are called, we are called to lead. We're called to teach, sanctify, and govern the people of God and serve the, serve the church in leadership. Um, but our heroes are not the priests. It's not the priest in the parish. You know me too well. <laughs> you know Father Brian too well. Our heroes are the saints. Our heroes are the saints. We're meant to look at the, the, the holy lives of the saints in order to find our examples, those to follow. Yeah, and insofar as your, uh, as your priest is, uh, is holy, that's great. You follow that. You learn from that example. Insofar as your grandma is holy, you go follow that, you know. Uh, you learn from that. You got to respect, we respect the hierarchy in our church, and we do rec uh, recognize the leadership of these scribes in some way. I mean, we learn the book learning about how, who God is and how to follow God. And Jesus is pointing at these scribes. He's not saying that being a scribe is bad, learning a lot of things, and then teaching the people is a bad thing. He's just saying that their heart is in the wrong place. It, they're trying to glorify themselves. And so it's a warning to every Christian, but it's also a warning to any leader. Parents, it's a warning to teachers, it's a warning to all of us. If you lead in the parish in some capacity... Um, we, we can't be doing this, living this religion for ourselves, um, but for God. Where is your heart? Is your heart in the right place? That's what the prayer at the beginning of Mass asked, that we have the freedom of heart to give generously, have the strength of heart, to give without fear, and then um, to put our heart, our desires, our interests in the right place, in the right direction, not toward ourselves, but toward God. I want to point out a couple of those or a few of those saints that I think can help us um, to learn the example of God. And I think one way to testify is not to say, oh, God has done these great things in my life. That can happen. That's beautiful. But also just to look around and say, 
God is doing great things around us. Here's one example. So there was a time when now we have this beautiful snowy morning. Everybody's kind of gathering together and happy and comfortable and everything. There was a time in Colorado's history when uh, things were rough. Things were rough. Soon after the, um, the uh, Civil War, American Civil War, a lot of people moved west in search of gold. You remember that? This is kind of a gold rush state. We put the gold on the dome of our capital. Um, it's, it's kind of romantic thought at this point. But in fact, it was a hard, hard time for, uh, for Denver and its history. Most of the people who moved over here did not find gold. Most of the people um, found uh, sickness. I took a tour of, the, of the, uh, the gold mine up there in Idaho Springs. I recommend it. It's a little expensive, but it's fascinating, and you can learn a lot of history through it. But they told me uh, life expectancy was between 9 and 12 months when you start that work. You know, you're going to die. They thought, I mean, they paid well, so you work in the mine um, or in the factory, and then you, the, the idea is you make enough money that you can move on. You go, to, you go get your own claim. You try to find your gold or whatever. But um, it was rough. It was rough. It was hard. A lot of people dying. A lot of people struggling. They came over here, and uh, there was a lot of um, drinking, gambling. The first cities were Georgetown uh, and Central City and Blackhawk, that area built up before Denver even. They were bigger than Denver at one point. Um, and it, it was rough. It was a hard place to be. They, on the same tour, they told, them, they told us that um, at the time of the height of the gold mine there, um, there were more brothels than family homes in Colorado. Imagine that. Well, don't imagine it too hard. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. It was rough. And you know, one thing that that meant was that there, were, uh, there was lots of poverty, there was a lot of suffering, and there were a lot of orphans. You know, there were a lot of poor little children running around trying to make their way, um, trying to eat, trying to survive, um, trying to make sense of the world in that environment. Can you imagine that? Um, and they didn't have a lot of guidance, but there was one great hero that God provided out of nowhere, this, uh, this little lady called uh, Francesca, Francis, uh, little Franny uh, Cabrini from Italy. God called this woman to, um, to a missionary life. And she started in prayer, and she started recognizing in prayer that she was called to be a missionary and called to be devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. And she started a missionary order, not knowing what they would end up doing, um, in Italy called the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. Okay, so then at a certain point, the Pope says, your order is growing, I want you to go serve in in America. America has all this poverty. It was young. It was fallen apart, ridden by, uh, wrecked by the wars. Uh, it was a real rough place and mission country. And, and the Pope said, I want you to go to America. Here's the problem. When Franny, little, little Francesca, was a child, she almost drowned at one point. And she was really, really, really scared about water. She was afraid of the water. Fast forward, that same 
Francesca, little Francis or uh, Francis Cabrini, she traveled across the ocean 27 times to uh, start institutions in America, hospitals, schools, orphanages, and to go fundraise back in, in Italy in order to come and uh, start these institutions in New York, Chicago, New Orleans, um, and then uh, also South America and Central America. She went everywhere. She started 67 different institutions in her 67 life, uh, years of life. Um, yeah, what a heart. What a bold heart. What a courageous heart. That's the grace of God. That's not somebody who's just like really tough. Um, that's the grace of God. And she, she showed up here, of course, and she started an orphanage out there on the land. She didn't know, she had no, nothing really to offer. She didn't know where they were going to stay at one point. And someone offered her this land outside of, um, you know where that shrine is, right? Uh, outside of Morrison. And the, the fire department had their little house up there. And she took the land. There wasn't any water up there. So she went around praying and asking for water, and then finally some water just showed up. And there's a well there that's miraculous and beautiful. These are, these are, this is the grace of God because God wants to love. God wants to help. God wants to save the people in their poverty and suffering. God wanted to help those orphans and gave this mysterious grace through uh, Francis Cabrini. I love Francis Cabrini, great saint. Uh, her life testifies to the grace of God. It's proof of the grace of God, to the power of God to uh, affect the human heart, to make a heart uh, profound. The one who meditates on the sacred heart, this woman who meditated on the sacred heart, had a heart that was bold, that was strong, that was courageous in an incredible way. Another saint that we love in this area is called, uh, or saint to be, is called Julia Greeley. Do you know about Julia Greeley? She was a, uh, she was a freed slave who came west serving families kind of like a nanny. And um, Julia spent her, her life, she, she didn't make a lot of money. I mean, imagine that life as being a nanny in the early, uh, the early age. It's, it's close to this mining time that I had just been talking about with Francis Cabrini. Um, but there's poverty throughout, throughout the states. There's a little bit of money in, in kind of urban Denver, but then a lot of poverty throughout. And uh, Julia Greeley comes. She's, she's serving a, a white family. And she dedicates, you know, you could imagine someone coming from slavery. I, I think this is what I would end up doing, feeling very resentful, fe feeling very ambitious. I got to go and get mine. I got to establish my, my people, my life, my, you know. I think that would be natural. But she lived by grace. She lived something supernatural. And Julia Greeley spent all of her extra time when she wasn't working and money. Um, she would go to Mass often. She was known to be at the cathedral all the time and at Sacred Heart Parish. Um, and uh, she would spend all of her money giving it away to the poor and then she would beg when she didn't have enough but she knew of needs she would beg from people and then um, give them uh, give out the charity to the poor here in Denver she spent her whole life doing that it's amazing she had this great devotion to the sacred heart and um, she would promote promote that devotion 
but you can see what happens to the heart when you meditate on that sacred heart. Like Francis Cabrini, Julia Greeley was just absolutely devoted. She had this beautiful, warm heart um, that had been converted into the heart of Christ. I want to, I, one, one other one, I don't want to, so Julia Greeley is a servant of God. She's not yet canonized. Her relics are up in the cathedral, so you should go and visit her uh, and say some prayers. We're praying for her intercession right now, um, and she's been recognized as a servant of God. That is like a first step toward uh, sainthood, and we're asking for miracles. So if you're asking for miracles these days, ask Julia Greeley to give you a miracle, and she probably will. She was a pretty nice lady. <laughs> okay, so then there's one more I want to mention, and that's my friend Monsignor Glenn. Now, I don't want to canonize somebody who's, who's alive right away, but Paul called the church the saints, and I've seen great sanctity in him, especially this week. So my friend Monsignor Glenn was our rector at the seminary when I was in the seminary. He had gone to West Point. He's a tough dude, but a real gentleman. Uh, great heart, he uh, was he's so professional. He was a model of hum humanity to us. He's a really nice guy, um, and he, um, he was smart. He is smart. He went to um, the scripture school that I'm, that I'm going to now, or I have been going to in Rome. Um, just a profound guy, very, very, very talented, and um, was a great influence on our seminary for about a dozen years. Um, Recently, he's, he's in his mid-50s right now, um, but in, a couple of years ago, he got a brain tumor and uh, has been affected by it ever since. They got rid of that. They said that he had you know, only a 10% chance to live. They got rid of the tumor. They give him the chemo. He's all worn out and everything, and he's getting through. It came, it came back recently. Um, he's had infections. He's... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's back, and it looks like he's probably going to, to die before long. Um, and I visited him yesterday, and, um, and it was delightful. I know this is kind of hard to believe, and it sounds cheesy, and it sounds like acting, but it's not. It's grace. Um, Monsignor told me with great joy and peace, maybe he's on drugs, <laughs> now that I think of this. <laughs> no, I know this is grace. Because uh, his, his heart is different than the heart of other people. Uh, he told me that he had wanted, since, since being a boy, he had wanted to do great things for Jesus and out of love for the church and especially for priests. And he thought that the, his, greatest, his greatest work was going to be his leadership in the seminary, giving his talents in the seminary. And he's realized that the greatest thing he has to offer and he's been given the greatest gift he's been given is the way that he can suffer for the church and intercede for the priests, particularly now in a time of scandal. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> this heart is not there, but I'm glad that God can do that. I mean, he was really smiling. He was sincere. It was amazing. It's beautiful what God can do, and God wants to do. So I give you those examples as, as examples of where to look. Um, I know that the society outside of the Catholic Church is not going to understand. They're going to they're have their impressions of the church. Jesus set it up this way, so let them think what they will. Um, but just know that I think it's important that we really reflect on the saints.
Put your eyes on the saints. Follow the saints in their lead. Um, and then recognize that the whole of the Christian life, much of the Christian life, is just an exercise in recognizing where God is at work in the world. That God can change things. It wasn't like somebody came here and in the midst of all that poverty in Colorado said, I've got a plan. I'm going to fix things. No. It was, it, were the, it was these saints who were just responding to the grace of God. God has a plan, and he's doing things in big and small ways in our lives. I know parishioners in this parish, and I've been very edified in my couple of weeks here, my few weeks now, by lots of people who are suffering difficulties in prayer because they love God and they want to persevere. Uh, people who are tapped, feel tapped in, of energy and are raising big families. Um, people who are struggling with relationships, trying to forgive. The amazing things that make up the Christian life and the Christian challenge. And I want you to look at these saints and keep your eyes fixed on those saints and know that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. By his grace, you and I can, uh, and can watch our hearts be transformed, the hearts of those around us be transformed, and God provide for us in incredible ways. This should fire us to generosity, like, it, it, uh, like the generosity of the widows, the widow of Zarephath and the widow of um, the, the might in the temple. Um, but really, I don't want this to be a point of Catholic guilt, like, go get them. You have to do something. You have to fix something. I want this to be a message of, um, of peace, of rest, that God is doing something great, and he's involved our lives, and it's a beautiful thing. And we're grateful to be a part of a family that has great saints, and we try to follow them, uh, but especially follow the graces of God with that kind of generosity. Okay? God bless you. Have a good week.